Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. And this is Collateral Gaming Game Launch. Welcome to a special game launch edition of Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And uh, yeah, especially tonight, we've got... uh, uh, another banger new video game that just released uh, with actually pretty good timing considering our uh, season premiere this season. But uh, it, so uh, aptly, I have Mr. Bo Maddox from Collateral Cinema special guesting on this episode. How's it going, Bo? It's going well. You know, I mean, it was an interesting new year and everything, so, uh, yeah, I got to play this game. (laughs) Yeah, so technically we are recording this on New Year's Day. If all goes well, we should have this out by the end of this day or, you know, maybe past midnight, depending on how long it takes me to get this all done. But, uh, yeah, no, this was actually supposed to be the last episode of the year for Collateral Gaming, uh, and it, it, it ended up being our New Year's episode, whatever. Uh, we are have actually pumped out a ton of content between both podcasts this uh, on our respective seasons so far. Oh man, it's been kind of crazy these last few weeks. You know, I mean, we had all the holiday content, of course. You know, our our Adult Swim holiday ep- episode special. There's our Saving Christmas. You know, with victims and villains. I mean, it was crazy. And then the bad movie December, of course, that was going on as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, with uh, Collateral Cinema and with Collateral Gaming. I mean, we have uh, our, our numbered episode this this m- last month was supposed to be Zelda. That's also bleeding into January a little bit. No worries. Uh, but we also had our, uh, we got part one of that out, and we got out uh, God of War Ragnarok, our holiday special. And on the holiday edition of the bonus round, uh, we talked about uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd, and that, that was a pretty fun episode. Oh, yes. I look forward to going back to the Angry Video Game Nerd uh, one more time. I mean, he has so many seasons that we can review. So, I mean, that's something that I like to get into. Yeah. But anyway, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, everybody who's listening, we're looking forward to 2023 and the upcoming episodes so far. But uh, today on this episode, we are talking about Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. That is the remaster slash remake. It kind of blurs the line between the two. More on that later. Of the original PSP Final Fantasy VII spinoff, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. 
Now, this is, for me and for a lot of other people, this is our first time actually playing this because this was locked to the PSP for the longest time, and I never really had a PSP back in the day. So, I mean, I never really got to play this. I mean, I, I barely even got to play uh, Dirge of Cerberus, and that was on uh, PS2. Yeah. So, you know, like I talked about in my Final Fantasy, and on our Final Fantasy VII episode, which was our season premiere, we covered both the original and the remake. Uh, this was kind of my first introduction to fi the Final Fantasy VII compilation, or even Final Fantasy in general. I mean, I, I can't say that there's been that many times, if at all, that I've picked up a Final Fantasy game before. Okay, that's not true. I played a little bit of thirteen two back in the day, but... I never got into this franchise. So this was kind of my introduction here. So, I mean, and I never had a PSP growing up either. I was a Nintendo guy, so I had the Game Boy Advance and the DS and the 3DS. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, no, this was my first time playing this game. For a lot of people, like you said, I mean, this game was exclusive. And it was actually one of the better parts of the compilation from what I understand. Yeah, and I can see why i mean story-wise so far i mean i haven't gotten that deep into the game but given that this is supposed to add a little more clarity to the overall uh, arcs of like uh zach and namely zach and uh sephiroth and whatnot it's it, it was interesting to see it to see it play out you know i mean we watched a little bit of the completionist on it so he kind of went into what happens later on in the game but yeah, and for us, it's not really a spoiler because we know what happens in Final Fantasy VII. And, and, I, and I will say that I don't know if I recommend this to one who, anyone who hasn't played Final Fantasy VII because I think from a, from a story perspective, it, it greatly benefits with that knowledge. And this is just kind of how that came to happen. Um, and we're not going to get into spoilers, by the way, on this episode. This is gonna we're going to maintain a spoiler free like we do with our game launch episodes, but. And and I think that that's apt because we uh, we didn't play very far into this game. Uh, I got this game right after it came out, and I've played up to I think like I don't know chapter three or four. Uh, I know Zach is actually a first class soldier now, and some extra stuff opens up then. But I haven't got the Buster Sword yet. Yeah, the Buster Sword is actually uh, wielded by his. Uh his mentor and his uh, his uh, commander uh, Angeal, I believe his name is, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So now we, so here we have an actual original origin for where the Buster Sword came from, which you know, it's just this iconic weapon in gaming. It is, and we kind of learn the whole meaning behind it. There is a whole backstory that they get into uh, fairly early on in the game, actually. But even with some of the, those, you know, moments with Angeal opening up. He talks about how the sword is more important than his life. And that that tracks when it comes to, I mean, any type of Japanese uh, sword fighting. You know, I mean, that there are rituals as to, you know, honoring your uh, weapon and everything. Your weapon is seen as, is seen as an extension of your soul and of uh, your spirit and everything. So, you know, of course, you're going to show it some reverence. Yeah. So, in fact, he barely uses the sword. He talks about how it uh, to to use it would make it would uh, use 
uh, get wear and tear on it or rust and wear, whatever he says. Yeah, he says he's just he's kind of cheap like that. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that that was funny, but then you learn that this sword actually has this kind of significant meaning to him. Now, when a comrade is in danger, of course, that changes and he's willing to use it. But and like I said, that that this is kind of from the very opening moments of the game. We're not going to get into any of the whole character arcs that happen here, but you get a sense of who this Angel guy is. Yes, you do. I mean, he's he's a very stoic, very, you know, upstanding member of soldier. I mean, he's a first-class soldier, of course, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, you could tell that he's he doesn't really put up with some of Zach's uh, naivete, I guess you could say, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you could tell, like, like, but he puts up with his shit. Also, what is the whole thing with Zach and the squats all the time? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's doing squats all the time. It's weird. He's just got this like bubbly, optimistic personality that you can't, you can't help but love him. But uh, definitely a stark contrast to Cloud, actually. Yeah, definitely. What's funny is, you know, with Final Fantasy VII and, and playing through that game, I kind of got the feeling, you know, that that Zach was just kind of like another Cloud. I kind of just saw him as, as you know, the other Cloud because Cloud ultimately derived his identity from him from for a short while, but. Not his personality, because they're actually very different. I love how Crisis Core actually fleshes out this character, and you get to kind of get a sense of because I had no idea what his personality was like. Yeah, you only get, like, bits and pieces of it in the original game. And here, I mean, you see him kind of uh, starting from the bottom a little bit, you know, and working his way up to Soldier First Class and whatnot, you know. And then uh, leading into where it uh, it ends up with him uh, taking his last stand and everything. Right, right. And we actually get to see that in Remake as well. Uh, and, and events actually end up playing very differently. And we, we get to see, you know, what appears to be a uh, like a, a new timeline opening up. And, and so there's some really interesting implications with that. Uh, this is very much divorced from that. I would say don't come into it with expectations of, of uh, you know, the remake story. This is the original game, but just upscaled, uh, remade where necessary to make it work for modern consoles. But it follows the same story, although all of the bits are now revoiced, for better or for worse. Yeah, I never really got to hear the original voice actor for Zack, and I, I remember some circles were say, were really up in arms with that you know because they were. i mean apparently it was a very memorable iconic uh performance or whatever you know yeah so uh, looking up about this game apparently a lot of people felt attached to the uh, the previous voice actor uh i think his name was something gomez yeah yeah i'm not i'm not aware of his name uh <laughs> let me look it up real quick was it like was it pete gomez or let me see Real time, we're, we're looking this up right now, okay, because we're professionals. We are professionals, exactly. Rick Gomez, sorry. Rick Gomez, uh, the news voice actor's name is Caleb Pierce. Now, uh, it was obvious to me why they did this, and that's because they wanted the voices to match those in Remake. And sure enough, yeah, they're using, for all the characters that were in Remake uh, that are in this game, they're all voiced by the, the same ones, and, and, and everybody else has been recast. But I think ultimately that was done so that they can update it. But yeah, I've heard a lot of people actually praise the original, the, the voice acting of the original Crisis Core. I will say that the performances here are 
they're cheesy, a little little bit cringy at times. It, it kind of has that like English dub anime feel to it, which I'm not against. I think that there's there's a there's kind of a flair that goes with that. I mean, I, I you see a little bit of it in remake, but it's it was actually a lot well done, a lot very well done still. Yeah, this game I can definitely tell that the quality of of the dialogue you know is isn't as good. Like it is definitely a little bit more of that like like cringy cheesy. Yeah, I mean, they're still going off of the script of the original game, and it does have a lot of those uh, tropes that you saw in game writing in the uh, in the mid to late 2000s, early 2010s. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, it feels that way. It, and I hear that the original is actually really well done. It is, yeah. So I'm, I'm surprised to hear that because, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I definitely feel like, you know, if, if there's anything that this one doesn't do better than the original, which I haven't played, it's, it's probably that. Every other facet of this game, though, like as far as like the gameplay is concerned and even just the presentation of the story is uh, it seems to be a lot better. I mean, I, I've heard about kind of how the original plays and there's this, you know, you kind of use the shoulder buttons in order to actually cycle through all of all of your available actions. So you can only attack if that's what you have selected. You can only use this materia if that's what you have selected. You can only use items if this is what you have selected. This game has done away with that completely and I'm really thankful because that sounds tiring. No, that, that doesn't sound like a fun experience at all. It sounds like it would just completely slow down the combat mechanics like to a crawl exactly and this is meant to be fast-paced action rpg i mean it's actually even more so than remake was which was an action rpg remake of final fantasy 7's gameplay this this is kind of even a different beast from that although it does borrow elements of it well it doesn't have the atv uh gauge this time around it has this uh d what is it a dmw the dmw digital yeah. mind wave yeah digital that- mind wave yeah yeah, so Crisis Core has this whole like DMW mechanic, and it's the spinning slot wheel that I think in the original actually uh, frequently paused combat and kind of brought it to a standstill. Here, it's actually really nice. It's just kind of sitting there in the corner. I don't even pay attention to it most of the time, but then usually like these little status effects will pop up on screen, and it'll say that you've uh, got you you've you gained MP or AP, or you're invincible for a short while, or you. Uh, Magic doesn't use MP or uh, commands don't use AP for a short while. And it actually kind of adds this additional element to combat that, that keeps it fresh, that keeps every experience different because it's random. Yeah, yeah. I, I can kind of see... Uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> you can kind of see... You can see what I mean, right? Like, like the whole DMW system... Uh, allows it to where every battle is unique and does something a little bit different. In fact, you don't even gain, you don't even level up conventionally like you do in uh, any of the other RPG Final Fantasy entries. I kind of have some mixed feelings about that somewhat, but I mean, I, I guess that within the context of this game, it's fine. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm maybe a bit more of a traditionalist that when it comes to that particular mechanic. I don't feel like it made much of a difference because I felt like if I spent time doing the missions and grinding for a little bit, I gained experience quickly because you do accumulate experience, but the game makes it a point to tell you that you're never, you don't see that. You can't check how much that is, but Zach is gaining experience. But specifically when the, when the DMW slot reel go hit seven, 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 that's when you actually level up. And so if you've accumulated enough experience, you can actually go up several levels 
and and you know and just based on luck of the draw you can level up several times in the row or you can go a while without leveling up yeah i mean i guess it does kind of give it more of a uh of a different flow but i don't know maybe i just need to play through it a little more well and see i, I that's what i figured you would say and I, and I and i can see how you know hearing that and 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 thinking you know like leveling up is a little bit more random but I found that it didn't make much of a difference. I felt like, you know, if I just kept playing, I would go up a few levels, you know, and I, I didn't even really pay attention to it. But before long, I was several uh, levels higher. And I think that that's what's nice about this game. I think this game really hit its groove for me. And I kind of got a feel for the way that you play Final Fantasy VII games because you're a grinder. I'm not as much of a grinder. Yeah. But the way that this game was structured, the whole mission structure that you can do in between levels, it's really nice because you have this level of the set of like I think 300 total missions that you can you can kind of tackle and and some of them unlock via story progression, some of them unlock after you complete other missions, but you're kind of left to your own devices I think after the first like real chapter. And and you get to kind of get a feeling and I, I the reason the only reason I didn't progress as far in the story is cuz I I was just I just kept doing the missions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that does kind of go up my alley a little bit, you know? I mean, having a more mission-based approach to grinding, I mean, yeah, that I, I guess that that's cool. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting way to to uh to play the game and it kind of opened that up because what was really, really fun later on was not only discovering new materia, but there's new there's things like materia fusion. Now you don't unlock this until you play through the story a little bit. But um, like I said, I'm not even that far along, and I came across it. And the Materia Fusion system is actually really cool. You can fuse Materia together to produce new, stronger Materia. And so obviously that can help you get like higher-level Materia like Fyra, uh, Thundera, you know, yeah. Kira, Kiraga, and all that. But it also opens up really new, interesting uh, Materia. Like there's a Dark Fyra one that I came across by hmm. just using, fusing Materia together, and it's, it's Fyra. But it also casts uh, sleep and poison, or silence and poison, one of the two. Oh, okay. So I, I see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, so, so, so you're basically just stacking material effects on top of each other, sort of. You are. Sort of. But, but Yeah, okay. But there's a whole, like, science to it. You know, you never know what two material combinations will do. And so you kind of put two material together, see if the result looks like something cool, and then you fuse them. And you lose both, but you gain something new if it, you go it does, through with it. It does seem like a more refined version of what they had in Final Fantasy VII, more or less. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And then, and then that's a carryover from the original game. Material fusion apparently works identical to the way it does you know, oh, here, okay. here in the remake. So that's nice to hear. I really liked the materia fusion. That was cool. Um, and kind of circling back to the combat, because I feel like this game really emphasized the whole fast paced combat thing. I mean, some of these battle encounters while you're going through these missions are very quick and easy. Yeah, definitely. But you're gaining experience, you know, and then and, and like not only you leveling up, but material will randomly level up. And and what's nice about the whole DMW thing is that it doesn't it not only affects the way that you level up and whatnot, but it also affects uh, just just the the way that combat flows. Like, you know, are you going to use more magic or are you going to use more uh, commands or, or just kind of just juggernaut the enemy and just come at it with basic attacks and whenever you get all of these different effects or you even get limit breaks or summons that pop up in the DMW, which happen, happens plentif plentifully. Yeah. 
it, it really just changes every encounter. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, I got a limit break. You can knock all those enemies out. Or, hey, I got a summon. This is going to be really useful in this boss fight. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I see. I haven't even gotten that far into using the DMW. So yeah. Oh, but I the mean, thing is, with the DMW, is you are using it. It's just it's all happening in the background, and that's what I really like the way about how they presented it in remake is that you know it's just kind of constantly happening. And like like you, I mean, I still when I play the game, I'm still kind of lost with well, the way that the mechanics works. I don't know exactly how the DMW works, but I know that every so often something pops up on screen and it tells me that I've got a limit that I can use, or I, I've got a summon I can use, and that kind of stocks up and you can use that whenever you want and turn the flow of combat. So, you know, and then like I said, and just, just kind of like when things pop up and it's like, you know, uh, you've got unlimited AP for a little while or unlimited MP. I'm like, okay, you know, now that I got all this AP, I'm going to come close in on the enemy and I'm going to use more abilities, you know, the, the command abilities. But Or when I've got unlimited MP, okay, I'm going to, you know, kind of move back a little bit and spam them, go ahead and, and uh, heal up myself while I can because it's not, it's not gonna, it doesn't cost me anything. You know, shit like that. And, and I like how that they, they've incorporated, you know, these aspects of the original game that apparently were like kind of segmented and you had to cycle through them. Now you can attack all of the time. All of the materia are available via a, uh, a menu that works very similar to the shortcuts and remake, which I didn't use a whole lot. But in this game, that's how you use materia. So you hold down one of the trigger buttons and you press one of the face buttons or you can even unlock a couple more and you can use any of your equipped materia. Yeah, that slipped me up here and there a little bit, you know. I mean, as far as, like, getting into the gist of combat, more or less. I, I don't know why. Maybe it was just because I'm not used to playing a Nintendo Switch, which is what we played it on, but... I Maybe. Don't I don't know. I don't know, yeah, but it, it, once you get the, the hang of it, it's not that bad. I mean, because the, the remake, again, had the shortcuts menu, which worked very similarly. I just didn't use it. I preferred pausing the game every once in a while and kind of having that turn-based feel for that. This one kind of emphasizes on the, the hack and slash component, you know? Yeah. So it kind of just never wants combat to come to a standstill. And I think that's important. Even using items, it's like, okay, now we can just use the shoulder buttons exclusively just to switch to whatever item I need. A, consume the item. And so we played this on Switch, and I wanted to get it on Switch because I kind of wanted to emulate that feel of playing on a PSP. It, it definitely has that feel a little bit. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. In the end, this is a formerly portable game. Right. So playing in handheld mode just made sense to me. And I have a Switch Lite. So I was like, yeah, this is perfect. But uh, I've seen the graphics on the PS5, and they're phenomenal. I think that's what's playing on this uh, playthrough right here is uh, PS5 graphics, because that looks really crisp. Those wings. I want them too. The company has decided to eliminate Genesis and his cohorts. This includes Angeal as well. That sword represents our family's honor. I see. No wonder. I've become a monster. A monster's objective is usually world domination or revenge. I told you. You can't live on that side anymore. Is that Angeal's face? It appears Genesis isn't the only one who can be copied. The mysterious gift of the goddess. What is the meaning behind it? For us, at least. 
culture people are kind of weird. They fight. And they love it. If only I were soldier. Soldier is like a den of monsters. Don't go inside. Do you remember what I said about our enemy being all that creates suffering? But I created my own suffering. You want to do something to me, eh? But then, who will stop Genesis and Angeal's degradation? If this world seeks my destruction, it goes with me. Am I a human being? Shinra, soldier, and you. I hate you all! Severoth! Why did you kill the townspeople? Why did you hurt Tifa? Answer me, Sephiroth! Sephiroth! The army's mobilizing. Find the targets before they do. I want them alive. You hear me? Roger. All right, let's get going. Will I see you again? Hey, Cloud. I... I have to go to Midgar. really really nice and it's a good looking game and so if you don't if you don't really know where where crisis core kind of occupies its space in the final fantasy 7 franchise it might be a little bit confusing because here comes this game that looks as pretty as any other high budget triple a main series game but you know also just kind of uh you know that definitely still is built on a structure of a portable spinoff definitely yeah and i mean <clears throat> Excuse me. And I do have to say, I mean, it it still looks good on the Switch, yeah. even though you could see some choppiness. Like, I, I noticed it a lot with hair. Yeah. There. there was, like, this weird kind of choppiness to it. But other than that. other than that, it ran pretty smoothly on the on the Switch. It didn't feel scaled down or anything, you know, from the uh, what we experienced with Remake. But yeah, yeah, I think and maybe, like, it's just not as detailed or something. But yeah, it, it didn't feel like janky gameplay wise and, and hardly appearance wise. Like you said, I think every once in a while the hairs look a little off. A little wonky. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, no, no, it actually ran great on the switch. Like I said, it, it kind of helped me stay in the frame of mind of this is a portable spinoff. Yeah. You know, or that that's what this started as. And so it's actually kind of confusing. I mean, for anybody that's not kind of aware of the whole gist of it, I mean, you've got the original Final Fantasy VII in 1997, right? And then you've got recently that that's been remade in 2020, okay? And that's a remake, which isn't really a remake. It's more so <laughs> reimagining slash alternate timeline sequel that, that uh, is just named remake. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a whole new game, but like they're like separate entities all together. And then you've got a few spinoffs. So you've got Crisis Core, you've got Dirge of Cerberus. There was a mobile game called Before Crisis. Yeah, and, and that is uh, 
pretty much lost now, apparently. That's lost media. Yeah, I don't think he can play that. Um, and then you've got so, and then that's all going to get compiled into Ever Crisis, which I'm actually excited about. That's that's excellent. Very, that's good. Yeah, but yeah. you've got this now sub series, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, that all of these these spinoffs, as well as you know uh, movies like like uh, Advent Children or, or movie, I should say. There's there's another there's a there's like a short animated film that's that was part of it and now is no longer canon or something. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and, and then, you know, yeah. And then ever crisis kind of happening is going to compile everything. All right. So, and then you've got crisis core, right? Which is, which is a spinoff of final fantasy seven, uh, a few years after the fact, but still like 15 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is during, this is the PSP era. Um, and then now you've got this thing that, is a little bit is more than a remaster, but maybe less than a remake. I don't know, or kind of both. <laughs> it, it it occupies a very weird space in that spectrum. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of a spinoff, of a spinoff, yeah, of a game that's been that that has other spinoffs and sequels slash remakes. <laughs> so it, it does get a little <laughs> bit confusing. I remember. I mean, somebody was arguing on something online, and they were like, "Yeah, everything just is a remake. There are new 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 games, and they, you know, they started listing things like." Like Final Fantasy Seven, and I thought Final Fantasy Seven. Nah, Final Fantasy Seven remake was was a totally different entity. And I made that argument, and then I realized, no, he's talking about Crisis Core. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> which, which, to be Damn. fair, I mean, it is the same game. It's not like a whole different thing, you know. It is, or it is very, very much uh, a remake slash remaster. But, uh, but I do like that as a. I mean, really, I just kind of see it as a means of porting this game that was previously locked away to a modern audience. Yeah, it is a huge score for game preservation. And this is a game that, from the looks of it, deserved to be preserved. Exactly. So I support it. And uh, yeah, let's upscale it. Let's make it meet standards. Let's make it more accessible to the modern player. And let's just kind of get at the, you know, make it better to achieve the vision of what it was, which is an action RPG that is consistently fast paced. Yeah. And and I think that it uh, it definitely delivers on that. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, and, and it also kind of shows some of the origins of uh, what they use for the combat mechanics and remake. You know, yeah. And and it, that's why it's so seamless. I mean, it, compared to uh, the remakes combat, I mean, there's of course there's those little you know differences. They're subtle. Yeah. But, I mean, you could kind of see, like, you, you pretty much put a, a ATB on this and you've got the Final Fantasy VII remakes combat, you know? Well, I think that's because, you know, like you said, Final Fantasy VII Remake was kind of inspired by Crisis Core, but this has actually gone full circle and incorporated some of the aspects yeah, of Remake yeah. in the, the remake of Crisis Core, which is really interesting. Um, but, but, but they have, and, and that's actually... I, I think they work well off of each other because, you know, they're just kind of different approaches to modernizing uh, the essence of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. You know, and Crisis Core did that in a lot of ways is by being something that, that was its own entity, that, that was this own, you know, just kind of greater part of this Final Fantasy VII sub-universe. <laughs> <laughs> and what an interesting sub-universe it is. Like, now, now I'm just like, Let's go ahead and get a proper uh, remaster of or remake of Dirge of Cerberus. You right. Know, let's 
Let's do that because there was promise there. I mean, having uh, Vincent in a Devil May Cry style uh, type of action game, it was that was a different take, you know? Yeah, that sounds awesome as fuck. I mean, I would like to even see some uh, more modern, uh, different takes like that using Final Fantasy VII. Seriously, yeah, no, that's actually a good idea. Like, imagine what they could do with like other characters too. And if they if they really wanted to explore another part of the Final Fantasy VII universe, which I absolutely think they should, beyond the uh, upcoming remake uh, sequels, uh, Rebirth, and whatever comes next, but. Uh, beyond that, you know, like, like, yeah, do something like that. A spinoff set in, like, another character. Explore somebody else uh, of a member of the party, like Sid? Yuffie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, we got Yuffie in the intermission DLC for a remake. Yeah, and then that was a very compelling, uh, that, that was a compelling story in its own right. Yeah. I don't know, Red 13, make it like Okami? <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> That would be very interesting. Very interesting. Sephiroth. Now there's an now there's an idea. <laughs> Actually, look into Sephiroth's early years. Yeah, I well, can see that. I can see that happening. We get that in this game a little bit, though. We do because we do get a pre-corrupted Sephiroth, uh, and uh, Sephiroth and Geo and Genesis. Uh, there are the the you know this kind of like trio of friends. Uh, that kind of set the framework of events here that Zach participates in. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't like, I didn't get uh, so far as to actually come across Genesis, but I mean, it seems like he's kind of doing kind of, it seems like he's kind of going through the same type of thing that Sephiroth went through in the, in uh, final fantasy seven. Yeah. Like the one winged angel type of thing. Right, so so they 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 bring the one wing thing back for a few characters, and I thought that was cool. But, um, but yeah, no, and I think even like his character arc kind of is similar to what Sephiroth goes through. Yeah, uh, and and this is all culminating in that. So as far as I, from what I understand, I think the Nibelheim mission is like the last mission, or or close to the end. Which is also really cool because we get an even uh, deeper examination of that incident. You know, which is a, a catalyst for a lot of uh, ramifications in the Final Fantasy VII world. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's yeah, I think it's like the second to last or last chapter probably of, of this game. But I know it's kind of like it's this. That's where this is culminating in. Yeah, and, and we're kind of kind of see the uh, this come to a head. And I, I believe this was the first, uh, you know, direct representation of those events uh, in full. Because, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. even in the original Final Fantasy VII, we got Cloud's version of events, and then we, we, we found out that, the, that that was actually uh, yeah, it, it was It was Zach's uh, experience, yeah. But we didn't see that firsthand with Zach, and we do here, and we see it in full context. We have this story that builds up to that moment where shit hits the fan. Yeah. You know, so and I think that's really cool. Like, I haven't even got to the part in the story where Zach meets Cloud yet. But I know that that's another one of the, the like central relationships that, that frame this game, along with his relationship with Aerith, which I have seen now. Oh, OK. The Aerith moments are really sweet, actually. And they kind of actually mirror what later goes on with Aerith and Cloud. So I guess the, the Cloud Aerith stands are uh may have a little you may, may have a little bit of comfort in this kind of seeing those parallels but i think even for for us uh uh tifa cloud stands <laughs> i think it's nice because it sets up zach and Aerith as, as a perfect couple it does 
It really does. And I'm kind of excited to see where they're going to go with that in uh, the remake, you know, yeah. especially with the whole ramification of Zach looking like he's uh, escaped his fate and uh, is alive. Right, right. Or maybe in an alternate universe or something. It's something it's like unclear. That. But yeah, no, I, I'm actually really, really interested to see where they go with it. And, and it, part of me kind of hoped that this game would explore that a little bit but from what i've heard now it's just it's just a faithful recreation of the original game and that's fine because i think we needed that context i think that they're building off of this and i think that the timing of this is is important think about it right right i think we're getting i think we're getting rebirth later this year yeah i'm not mistaken i don't know that might get delayed to next year i would but i wouldn't expect it past that yeah, probably. Yeah, 2024 seems reasonable. But if they say it's going to come out in 2023, we'll see. I mean, but I'm I'm just I'm just thinking they might delay it or something. Who knows? Maybe I'm just being pessimistic. I don't know. They seem to do just fine getting this game out. Yeah. You know. Right. But anyway, the timing of this I think is important because I feel like we're going to build off of a lot of this and I think that it was important to have that context in mind. Now, I think that's going to be interesting because it sets up the way that remake works quite a bit differently to the way the story unfolded in the original Final Fantasy VII, though. Yeah. Because we got Cloud's version of events, Cloud's um, rendition of, of what happened. Now, we specifically have the context for, for a lot of gamers that, that picked this up, you know, that... Okay, no, here's the real version of events first before we get clouds distorted. So I don't know what that's going to mean as far as, you know, how the story beats are going to be achieved. But I think in in, Re- in Rebirth, I think things are going to go off the rail significantly. And that's where, you know, things will start out to happen in the same way they did in Final Fantasy VII. But they'll end off on a very different note so that the last part of the trilogy is just something completely different. Yeah, we're going to see a major divergence in the uh, <clears throat> in the timeline. I, I think it I, happens I, here in the next game. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so I don't know. I Maybe if Zack is alive, then... You know, maybe he runs into Cloud and and is able to correct that. You know, I don't know. Part of me feels like I know where they're going to open this the next one up, though, and I think it's going to be Cloud's version of events of Nibelheim. That makes sense. Like, just open the game out with that, and for somebody that's played, okay, imagine somebody that's played Final Fantasy VII remake but hasn't played Final Fantasy VII. They they get Crisis Core, okay? Okay. And then and so this is their this is what how their 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 version of the events of the timeline goes. So we see the real versions of events, and then suddenly we open up in rebirth with wait, why why is Cloud here? And so we <laughs> have that disconnect going on with the player who doesn't actually realize what's going on. Exactly. It it it's kind of setting up the that particular story beat in a different way, in a, in a certain way. That's my prediction. Yeah. That that, <laughs> that, that sounds uh, plausible enough. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a good opportunity to kind of bring that up again, too, because, I mean, we've got Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming out. Yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, supposedly sometime this year, although we don't have an official release date yet. Um, The year just started, so (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm being so pessimistic. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. And, And Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is honestly a blast to play through. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially if you've played a remake or if you played the original on um, on PSP. Yeah, so I'm going to say if you've played one or the other, I recommend this. If not, 
I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, considering that the, the timeline is going to be structured maybe quite a bit differently, this could be a good entry point. Who knows? I, I highly recommend playing this. It's <laughs> mainly based on what Ash was saying about how uh, the remake Rebirth is going to play off of it. So, yeah, definitely play it. To hell yeah, hell yeah. 100% if, uh, if, if you enjoy Final Fantasy VII or you enjoy Final Fantasy VII Remake or both, check this out, 100%. Um, it's a nice, you know, just action RPG, uh, very much modernized uh, spinoff that exists within this universe. And uh, I, I think it holds up tremendously well. You know, even even the elements of it that are just what the original game was, as well as, you know, just how well polished it is in this particular uh, remaster. Yeah. So, yeah. Hells yeah. So, any final thoughts for you, Poe? Um, I feel like I really need to play some more remake and a little more of this game. I mean, right, more or less. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's com it's compelling. I I like the uh, I like where they're taking the story and everything, and I and I like where they're taking this part of the series. Hell yeah, you know. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, it's, it has proven that it's lore, it has lore for days, you know, and there's just so much that can be built upon here that, you know, it's almost foolish that they that Square Enix didn't do this sooner. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so I, I enjoyed uh, being, being having a chance to actually play a game that I probably normally wouldn't have access to. I mean, I'm sure you could emulate the original Crisis Core, but... I don't really have a reason to because I have this. Yeah. This is this seems to be kind of the definitive version of that. But, I mean, I guess, you know, if, if you were a, a big fan of the voices of the original and that was a big part of the story for you, maybe that might differ. Yeah. But either way, I think that it's definitely it's definitely worth your time. Uh, if uh, you occupy any any subset of those. Uh, whether you're a fan of the original Crisis Core, whether you're a fan of Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VII Remake, definitely check this out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Bo, uh, since you're our guest on tonight's episode, what's going on Collateral Cinema? We just released our uh, last episode of 2022, which is also the end of Bad Movie December, and that is The Love Guru. We were... Uh, we were joined by Frank from uh, Geek Freaks, the podcast network, uh -huh. and uh, it was quite fun. So yeah, check it out. Check out our other Bad Movie December uh, episode, I Am Here Now, uh, the Neil Breen classic. And in January, we will have Clueless and Silent Hill for you, and uh, I believe Cinema Recall will be joining us for one of those episodes. So we're going to have more guest hosts coming up and uh, more interesting content. Hell yeah. So the Silent Hill thing is actually going to be a collab uh, this this month. So on the uh, Collateral Gaming side, uh, well, not only are we collaborating with Collateral Cinema on the Silent Hill episode, and we're we're dubbing that a, a, a collab episode. Hopefully uh, we can get uh, my other co-hosts, Megan and, and Zach, on. Yeah, hopefully that would be a lot of fun. But not only are we doing that, but we're also doing a, a bonus round. And I think we're going to cover the original Silent Hill and uh, Silent Hill Homecoming. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I I always loved the first Silent Hill. I mean, I, it, it, 
it just uh, laid the groundwork for a lot of interesting aspects of g- horror gaming that we have nowadays. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. So it, it'll be our foray into the Silent Hill franchise, uh, sans what we did with victims and villains for a live stream, which I don't know if that that's even viewable now or not. I think I think he said he has it all saved. It's all like yeah, somewhere. But anyway. That that'll be like our our first actual like collateral cinema venture into the Silent Hill franchise, uh, which will be fun. So that'll be our upcoming bonus round, and I think maybe sometime next season we'll probably actually get into Silent Hill proper. Yeah, honestly. So look forward to that. Uh, also in the month of uh, January, it takes two is going to be our uh, numbered episode. So we'll have part two, parts one and two. Uh, I'm going to probably play through that game with my uh, my buddy and co-host Zach. So Zach, if you're listening, look forward to look looking forward to doing that with you, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah, so and then we're also going to be celebrating our anniversary this month. So our anniversary special is going to be a, a, an arcade game mega review, kind of similar to what we did a few seasons ago where we looked uh, talked about light gun shooters. Uh, this time we're going to be getting into fighters. Yeah, 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 that's gonna be fun. I love I love fighting games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in fact, I think that that's what we might be recording next. So, uh, if you're listening to this and you are excited for more content, if any of that sounds good to you, just uh, stay buckled in. Because yeah, it's gonna be a wild ride here in 2023. I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting, <laughs> especially if we get Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, this this year, which we're supposed to. Yeah. So fuck yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice. Uh, you can also check us out on Patreon if you enjoy our content, if you enjoy the show, if you want to support it, because uh, we do have one dollar and five dollar tiers, uh, and we we do actually have you know some content there. Uh, exclusive Let's Play video game commentaries. And uh, I think pretty soon here we're going to get back into uh, recording some of those, you know, maybe finishing some of the series we have open, the games we have open, and, and recording some new ones as well. Yeah, definitely. So that's going to be exciting if uh, if you do end up donating. Uh, Collateral Cinema has a Patreon as well, too, and where they do uh, we do full-length movie commentaries. Yes, uh, we have uh, commentaries on everything from The Room to Freddy Got Fingered to The Buttercream Gang. So come and check it out, and uh, we'll have some uh, different content coming out on that very soon as well. And Including, I think, very possibly, we might start uh, releasing our episodes a little early, like a few days early than we normally do. So you look for that. Hell yeah. So yeah, uh, also uh, check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Collateral Media Podcasts where you can shitpost or talk about movie and video game news or pop culture, anything podcast or pop culture related, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much anything, like even stuff like professional wrestling and comics and whatnot. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, come and post. Hell Yeah. So uh, we, we definitely enjoy uh, the feedback that we get, the downloads that we get. Uh, we had over 10,000 not too long ago. Excellent. And, and that, was, Excellent. that was a big milestone for us. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually, uh, I am looking forward to the rest of the season's content, to the new year. 
yeah but thank you guys for listening that being said i am ashley chancellor and i'm bo maddox this has been collateral gaming we are out out Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.